I'm Michael McKinney. I'm Senior Lecturer in Drama and Head of Drama at Queen Mary University of London. And I do research into theatre and urban development. After the war, this area um, that is now the South Bank was quite heavily bombed and it was more or less levelled. And the County of London decided to plan a series of cultural venues, monumental cultural venues, that were built over the three decades following the war. The first being Royal Festival Hall. The last one to open was the National Theatre. And once these cultural venues had been built, um, I think one of the interesting things about them is that they had a spatial relationship and an urban relationship with other monumental institutions um, stretched along the Thames. So that would include the monuments of state, the Palace of Westminster, Houses of Parliament. That would include um, the monuments of the church, St. Paul's, and the monuments of uh, finance, the city. So you have arranged along the river these kind of extraordinary monuments to culture, the state, religion, and commerce. Almost from the moment these buildings were constructed, there was an acknowledgement that the way they were sited, the way they were placed, um, was complicated. Something about the ways that those buildings are quite forbidding and about the way they are oriented towards the river and about the way they relate to the people who use these, these spaces. They turned their backs on South London. And there were various attempts through the, through the 1980s, particularly the 80s and 90s, to try and remedy this. So we've seen efforts to kind of pedestrianize them, to in some way, you know, uh, to use a kind of broad term, to humanize them. The shed is kind of interesting in, that, in one way, in that the shed seems to me an intervention in the urban fabric of, of this part of the city, of a different type and a different scale than we've seen in the past. A mass of gray buildings, and in the middle of it is this small, bright red box. There's a certain audacity in that. You can't help but see it in relation to the iconic national building that sits behind it, because if, if for no other reason, then it is embraced physically by the building itself. The shed sits nestled in the square, surrounded by Lasden's you know, monumental building. What we see in both Lasden's building and in the shed are two very, very different relationships to time. Um, Lasden's national building is designed in many ways to slow time, and it does that through its sheer mass the materials it's, it's made of, it's massive poured concrete. This is a building that looks like it is designed to be here for a very long time, and it therefore implies that the art that is produced within it, the theatre performances we are about to see, are themselves intended to be timeless. The shed sends a whole bunch of different signals. It's very much designed to respond to now. It went up quickly, it will go down quickly, and it's a time-limited offer. That combined with the type of work that the National intends to produce in it sends a different sort of temporal signal. This is for now, this is fit up, we can get in, we can get out, we can do it fast and it'll be contemporary. Audiences are quite different depending on, 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 the, on the space. People are more likely to go to certain spaces rather than others. And by being about now, it's ostensibly going to be for audiences who are interested in what's happening now. 
I'm Paddy Dillon. I work with Howarth Tompkins, who are the architects both for the Shed and for the NT Future Project. There's a huge excitement about designing a space which so many people will come to and have really rich and intense experiences within. And there's something about that moment of a connection which, as audience members, we all feel when we're in a show that's really working, that to design the space that enables that, uh, that makes that possible to happen, is extremely exciting. And at the same time, you're designing a space which is constantly changing for different shows, for different moods, for different atmospheres, for different kinds of audiences. And that makes theatre spaces, I think, uniquely intense and exciting. The National Theatre is composed of very strong primary forms. The fly towers are big rectangular prisms. The lift towers, the lift shafts are very clear, strong shapes. Um, and that very much pushed us towards a building that somehow, in a slightly cheeky way, echoed those shapes. So there is a strong relationship, uh, just as there's a relationship between the texture of the board-marked board concrete and the texture of the rough boards that the shed's clad in. Uh, but at the same time, it's clearly a different thing, something which is, is more enigmatic, more ironic, um, and something which is more playful against a building which can be very serious. Our initial thoughts were, were to paint it black, to treat it like a black box theatre. Um, but then we started looking at, at other wooden buildings and other temporary buildings. We started looking a lot at Scandinavian barns, those wonderful brightly coloured um, structures that go up in the countryside there, painted really vivid shades of deep red ochre. And that was the real reference for us, that here was a building, a wooden building, a building that isn't going to be there forever, but that could still have a really strong, really striking colour to it. Because the National Theatre has such a big mass, such an expanse of grey in its concrete, that the idea of putting a self-contained object, one with a very strong form in front of it, and giving that a really vivid colour just seemed a fantastic opportunity. We love the idea that, that, that commuters coming across Waterloo Bridge would suddenly see these red towers emerging and this red building landed on the South Bank, where it certainly hadn't been there yesterday. We knew from the outset that the National Theatre wanted to programme in a slightly different way inside this space, to use it to do the kind of shows that you wouldn't normally do. So our first instinct was that it should be as flexible as possible, that we would just make a barn, a shed, an empty space, uh, and then whatever a director or a designer wanted could happen within it. What was odd is that we very soon realised as a team that that was actually very limiting, that almost certainly it would make putting on lots of different shows difficult because you'd have to put in different configurations of, of seating and stage each time. And we realised that it would, it would somehow mean that you always had spaces that were good at lots of things but never did anything really well. We came up with the idea that actually this, this box, this rectangle that we'd found on Theatre Square could contain a really perfect little galleried theatre, uh, a ground floor and an octagonal gallery above it, that wouldn't be particularly flexible in the way we'd originally imagined, but would do one or two things really well, would be really focused, would feel uh, a space in which the, the, the performance space really drew the audience into it through the octagonal shape that we're using. And that straight away became uh, the, the, the genesis of, of the shared design, and all of the subsequent ideas have really formed around that. And we've worked very closely with Chuckle Blue, the theatre consultant, um, who are absolutely integral to, to the basic form of the theatre auditorium inside. And they did numerous studies to make sure that the sight lines would work, and that's why the rake of the seating is quite steep. 
the uh, concern for flexibility, the desire for flexibility, ultimate flexibility as this incredible ideal, um, very quickly runs up against the fact that it is a fantasy. It's a fantasy that says that we could have a space that we could use in whatever way we wanted. Um, what theatre companies very quickly discover is that they spend all their time preparing the space rather than working with what is there. The constraints become ultimately more rewarding for the work than the possibility that they could make it whatever they wanted. Because what they discover very quickly is that you spend such a huge amount of time making it the way you want that in fact when it already sits in one or two configurations as it will, whether on the three sides or whether in the round, actually you've put parameters around it. You've made some spatial decisions already. And actually, because those decisions are made already, it's much easier to figure out how to use a tool that already exists than to have to build a new hammer every single time. It doesn't work very well. Theatres are very technical spaces. Um, and certainly, making sure that they're serviced right, that lighting, acoustics, control is all going to work, is a very technical field that lies outside what, what we as architects uh, can do by ourselves. We've worked very closely um, with Arab acoustics as acousticians to make sure that the acoustic of the space would work. And if you look up in the shed, you'll see that a lot of the ceilings are actually absorbent. They're made out of black painted strawboard to absorb sound, to make sure that the reverberation time, the echo behind each speech, um, is, is perfect for theatre. This isn't going to be a space that's, that's very much about scenery. And so the stage is quite small uh, and the get in to get scenery in is quite limited. We think it'll work but it's quite limited. So it was always going to be a space that's about the relationship between the audience and the actors on stage. And that, we hope, is what's going to be the magic in it. Undoubtedly, certain configurations construct the sociability of the theatre-going experience differently. We know that seeing a play in a, an end-on arrangement like the Littleton is radically different from seeing a play in the round, for example. It just invites audiences to understand their relationship with the action and with each other in, in a different way. The simple fact that on three sides you can see each other's faces across the stage. When it's in the round you can all see each other. So you look at the action and you look through the action at each other. You're very conscious, I think, of your proxemic relation to each other and to the action on, on the stage. In a way, to us, the shed has partly been a big research project about how can you make a building which doesn't use too much energy, which can have a very light footprint in terms of power. The terrace where the foyer is, is raised up above Theatre Square, and that therefore set the floor level for the whole of the shed. But that was really helpful to us because it meant that there was a void underneath it, above Theatre Square, and the void underneath the floor of the shed created the idea that we could naturally ventilate it. And that's what generated the idea of the towers in each corner, that they create the stack effect that can draw in air under the seats and prevents us from having to mechanically ventilate the space. But of course we could have put the towers anywhere, we could have given them any shape. What we loved about it was that somehow this seemed to be an iconic shape, a quite playful shape, a shape that's partly Battersea Power Station, partly Bouncy Castle, something which, which is really, really, really fun, really striking, really memorable. The other important thing about the shed is that it couldn't cost too much. 
It's only there for a year. We had to make it with what we had to hand. So it's all made out of really cheap materials. It's made out of rough steel. The steel isn't even painted. It's made out of, of cheap shuttering ply. Uh, the boards on the outside are just the cheap software that you use to make pallets in warehouses. So it's made out of cheap, simple materials that don't have to last long. If the shed does have an afterlife in further projects elsewhere, and we're talking to people in Brazil at the moment about that and have all sorts of ideas about how it could be, be taken elsewhere, one could imagine the shed as something naturally ventilated, connected to low energy power sources, that could be a very light touch new form of theatre, a theatre that would sit in a certain place, perhaps a very remote place, for a year or two years, connected to another building that would provide its foyer, uh, and be sustainable, is something very real in further, and, and if we find other opportunities to build sheds elsewhere, that's certainly something that we'll take forward and continue to research. One of the other conversations we had with the shed was about how to allow it to have some character inside, so it wasn't all just a black box. Looking back historically at different theatre spaces, so many of them are actually very, very characterful and strong and incredibly varied. The steelwork has a character because it has a slight bloom of rust on it. The walls aren't just painted black, they're stained black, so there is some real sense of the warmth of the plywood behind it. So it's a, it's a space that we hope isn't just a blank canvas, but does have some, some continuity, some character, some atmosphere of its own. I think it's very difficult to know in advance how people will use buildings and how people will use theater buildings. One thing that, if I had to predict, would be unlikely to happen is that audiences will see it as some sort of radical break from the NT. The aesthetic of the new does draw on, does mimic to some extent, the aesthetic of the old building. And so it does posit a, a continuity between the two buildings. Equally, it's a theatre with the um, resources, both economic and labour, um, like of the NT, that can create this sort of space in, in the first place. It might want to be a sign of experimentation, but equally, it is a sign that the NT has capacity as infrastructure that other theatres don't commonly have. The National Theatre is a way of coordinating extraordinary amounts of theatre skill. And there's no point in disavowing that. What a place like The Shed, it seems to me, a better rationale for The Shed is to say, actually what this allows us to do is use that extraordinary skill in a different way. It would be naive to construct a space and then try and cut yourself off from all of that. The National wants to do something, I think, quite particular, and I think very difficult to do, which is to say, this is a time-limited offer, this shed, but we want the effects of it to be felt long after. In some ways, the fact that it's a short period of time may actually have a greater impact than if it were a longer period of time because if it's a short, sharp shock, it, it, it sort of plants a, a, a sort of a seed in the memory of the institution so that people look back and they think, hmm, that was an interesting moment. Those moments within theatre companies m might be kind of important. Big organisations like the National, part of the reason that they are so skilled is that they work in very, very rehearsed ways over and over and over again and they gain a certain polish by doing that. And that can be kind of extraordinary. 
What it requires sometimes is a kind of a willful insertion of something that um, gums up the works, that requires you to work in a fundamentally different way because simply, spatially, it doesn't allow you to do it the way you used to do it. And you might learn some things from that. And that might be as important for the organization ultimately as the audiences who come in the door and whether they stay or not.